What's up, everybody, and welcome to the anime podcast of some sort. That's the name. Deal with it. I'm David Major. Some of you out there might know me as DJM. My co-host, as always, Count Jackson Daltanicus Wal Walter Alistair Noir the Fifth. Action Jackson, what's going on? Ceci n'est pas un chapeau. I'm really excited for this podcast, David, for many, many reasons. Many reasons. So, so am I, Jack. So am I. Not that it's just you and I getting back here to talk about the cartoons and the video games and and the manga with the big eyes again. And how it's raining in California. Really? Raining in California. Wow. Congratulations. That is awesome. I'm really happy for you. I'm I'm genuinely happy. Congratulations. I know that's like really crazy in that part of the world. That doesn't happen very often, so I I hope people weren't like panicking in the streets over it. I mean, everybody hears a wuss if it remotely mists everyone's like, Good God, I need I need a hazmat suit to encounter this moisture in the air. And I'm not even exaggerating all that much. People freak the heck out and think that it's a downpour. And I'm just kind of like, come on, friends. You wouldn't last in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> um, and it's funny because not more than a week ago, we had the hottest day on record of all time in this area last Sunday. It was upsetting. So global warming and climate change aren't a thing, say idiots but yeah it's weird but there's more news besides that and it's anime there is and there was so much news since our last podcast shack we had to enlist some help and joining us on this episode of the anime podcast of some sort first time guest brand new friend of the show he is the host of of the Third Seat by the Window podcast, a most prolific anime podcaster in his own right, the postmodern weeaboo, the Ladybug Man, Andy Coroner. What's up, Andy? Thanks for coming on. It's good to be on. Uh, first of all, it's Kerner. Uh, Kerner. Sorry. Kerner. Got it. Got it. So, yeah, glad to be on the show. Uh, I have not managed to listen to everything quite yet, but I've been working my way through it. Really enjoy it. Um, I'm I'm glad to be here. It's exciting. Unbelievable. And, and he didn't listen to everything, David. Doesn't he know <sighs> that he's got to listen to not only our entire backlog, but also a 60-hour dissertation on uh, our values upholding this podcast of some sort? It isn't the anime podcast of no sort. Andy, no. It is. Oh, no. Uh, I'm just kidding. No one I'm told me about that one. Oh, no. I'm so sorry. You're, I'm just kidding. It's also 200 going- hours, not 60. You're also going to have to include uh, citations on all of the other podcasts that I did in the past that I've deleted off the internet or where I was fired. You're, you're going to have to show your work, Andy. And, Just and so you uh, you'll have to you'll have to make a cross-referenced index of every single swear word and nickname that I have come up with over the course of my own podcasting history, such as Dick Muffin. That's one of my favorites. Get cracking. Oh no, what a web I've entangled myself in. <laughs> what but a until, web we But until that report is due, let's just jump into this first story. Guys, anime is dead. Is it? It's dead. 
Yep, it's dead. dead. Uh, it Oops. has been declared dead again by anime director Yamakan, Yutaka Yamamoto, uh, the man behind he... such seminal classics as The Melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya, Lucky Star, mm-hmm. Wake Up, and Girls. Uh, so tr- truly a, a most prolific, insightful mind. Uh, caused a bit of, of a stir a couple of months ago when he proclaimed at an event in Osaka that, quote, anime is dead. He was influenced by a former Gainax staffer and cultural commentator, Toshio Okada, who earlier pronounced otaku is dead. Uh, on September 27th, they sat down and had a conversation to explain what he meant. And it just went on into the whole end of anime, moe, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, same old stuff. It's very interesting that uh, the man behind Lucky Star would say that moe is an issue because that is <laughs> what people consider the quintessential moe show. Oh my god, man. Get over yourself. <laughs> and get over... Moe is becoming fascist, I'm reading here, is a quote from him. That is um, interesting. I don't yes, know if it, you want to think in about the de- that, friend. In the sense that its depiction is being controlled by unwritten rules, he says, quote, Don't show panties. Showing panties is in line with male desires. So let's show them. Uh, he prefers to operate by his own rules, but gets criticism, and when he does so, claims he can't handle the times. So, basically, he's being a hypocrite. Uh, mm-hmm. that, that's essentially what it sounds like. Uh, maybe it's just because I'm an old man. There is that tiny part of me that is not entirely in complete disagreements with him maybe it's just because i'm an old man and at times i feel like i'm aging out of the anime fandom a little bit plus i've never totally been into moe but but i i I find this to be just more grumpy old anime director crap i mean Uh, this is for certain this is absolutely like you know he's right in the sense of like there are a lot of guidelines that seem to be unspoken among a majority of anime that they all seem to follow similar trends, similar plot lines, and they look very similar. And I could go into that all day, but I want Andy to be able to talk about this. Just they do seem to kind of be stagnating and doing a lot of same, same kind of deal. But you know, that happens in media. I can tell you a million different people that are doing what James Patterson are doing. And I can tell you a million. I mean, look at the movie industry in 2018. We're probably going to face this incredible surge of there are too many movies and too many sequels and too many remakes and nobody cares. So that'll be interesting. But I, I love the fact that the guy behind lucky star and Haruhi Suzumiya with, um, you know, basically a pair of watermelons smuggling inside of a sailor uniform as a character in that particular show is saying stuff like this. That is absolutely hysterical. Uh, Andy, but, uh, what yeah. do you think of see- seeing this from this particular director? W- what he's saying about the industry and, and anime fans and ha- how the anime that he loved is dying. What do you think of this? Well, the thing is, I don't entirely disagree with him. 
Um, I I think, I mean, he he is being very hypocritical about you know what exactly he's saying, but he is also saying, well, I feel like anime is moving in another direction than you know the direction that I'm going in and I want to go in. So he's not necessarily saying that anime is dead because it has no value anymore or because it you know is not artistic or anything um i mean i think he's more just saying well my type of anime is dying um and i as ridiculous a phrase as it is i do feel like moe is a little fascist in uh in the way it's you know taken over the media um i got in quite a few fights with people over uh, Sun, uh, Love Live Sunshine and New Game this last season, uh, both of which very much have Moe aesthetic. Uh, like, the, the fan base is not exactly great, so I feel like Moe's becoming fascist is not necessarily an unfair statement. I think that there's a, there's a lot of um, fan bases based around uh, various anime titles that may or may not have moe elements that do have that kind of um, that that kind of fascist feel and you know that's a discussion for another day but I think I guess that means that we're all in agreement to some degree that anime is something that is not alive I don't know that's what I seem to get because David said I kind of agree and Andy said I kind of agree and I'm just kind of like, yeah, I guess so. Sure. I just right, figured I was, I get, I just figured I was getting old. Podcast over. <laughs> the anime's dead. We don't have to do this show anymore. I mean, I do All think right. that anime is still very much alive. It's just that the trends are changing and the trends aren't going to change with everyone. And there are still, you know, plenty of good things coming out and things that don't fall into these these sort of moe genres, but moe is taking over a lot of different genres to an extent. Now, now, do you think to a degree that moe is kind of becoming more, more blasé in that it's becoming more mundane, or is it just that it's becoming so all-encompassing because this is what's working with audiences? Andy, I—that's a tough question, and I'm not entirely sure I can answer what exactly you mean. Do I think that? Uh, I think that because Moe has become such a prominent part of the anime genre in recent years, I'm wondering if it is becoming. Uh, for the lack of a better term, is it becoming played out? It's been such a hotly debated, discussed topic for so long, and it's become um. such a trope. Uh, do you think that this interview is kind of a sign that it's starting to become a bit mundane? Are people maybe not necessarily angry about it anymore? Maybe people are just kind of like, eh, it's, it's moe, whatever. Somebody's making a moe because I guess they need money. Somebody's because using Japan moe. Elements. I'm, I'm not sure it is, at least not for me. I think the issue is that it is becoming, I don't think it's an oversaturation of it. I think that it is that 
there is so much of it that is not good or that is very blatantly corporate. Um, I think that that's the big problem with it. It's not so much, it's, it's a trend that certain things that aren't very good are jumping onto to capitalize on the trend. So Andy, I have a question. Would you say that it's kind of in line with, um, you know, maybe a, a 90 show from America that, uh, you know, was made specifically to buy for kids to buy the toys. Is this kind of a more of a marketing thing where they're not necessarily uh, invested in telling a story, but they're just trying to turn out the hug pillows and the merchandise? Is that oh, kind of what you're trying to say or? Uh, yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's not just Moe that's guilty of this. It's for a sure. lot of different things, but it's... um. I mean, you know, selling figures is is uh, definitely there. And, you know, while Moe isn't necessarily really a, a genre or an art style or anything, there is sort of these um, artistic things that are associated with it that, you know, sell very well. And, and they're, I'm, they're running out I'm of guilty of that. Yeah. That, like, they are so running out of archetypes. Like, I'm pretty sure that when Nagima fin like wrapped up they had pretty much found every single archetype for a girl that you could find so what's next i like i'm feeling like there are some that we're missing like do we need a wide-eyed narcoleptic girl or do we need uh god my little I, sister kinda... can't fall asleep this much oh go oh i'm just thinking about um i recently uh I, I am guilty of playing uh, the Steam game Crush Crush, which is free to play right now. And my only thought is that there's an unlockable character, which is called Bearverly. And she is just a like a rotoscoped picture of a bear wearing a pink dress and a bonnet. Like, I'm not even talking about a furry or like a little Moe girl. No, she's just a bear. And I kind of want to see something like that in Moe in the future. That's, I believe it's an American-made game, but like, I want to see something like that in Japanese media. Well, if <laughs> I, I may, de- if I may deviate from Moe just for a moment and head over to my neck of the woods, the Mecha World, there is a bear in the most recent anime, Knights of Sidonia, which is on Netflix. There is a bear. There is a bear, everyone. Oh. Yeah, doesn't she have like a robot hand or something? Yes, but but it is a bear. It is a bear, yeah. and she's she's lovely. But uh, back on to Moe for for the next story. Uh, we've got some news for longtime fans of Jack and I for uh, for an old favorite. Moe. Yes, you're, my favorite, the Moe of Moe's. Everybody, uh, <laughs> get your drinks ready because, of course, we're talking about JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Everybody, so drink. Uh, for the new <laughs> listeners out there, uh, Jack and I's former show at, at another podcast network, when we used to host it weekly, every time someone would mention JoJo's, uh, you would take a drink because it would happen very often. Uh, if you saw some of those live streams, you saw me get intoxicated. And, well, we're hoping to bring that back for y'all. But uh, this story, bunch of big news for JoJo's Bizarre Adventure 1 coming what? to us from ANN. Uh, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is getting its first live action film. 
Uh, Toho and Warner Brothers announced at a press conference last Wednesday that they will be collaborating for the famed JoJo's Bizarre Adventure live action film based around Diamond is Unbreakable. Uh, the press conference lists the film as JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, Diamond is Unbreakable, directed by none other than Takashi Miike. Wow. Yes. Uh, this Ichi guy. The, Ichi I the killer, everybody. Ace Attorney. That was an excellent freaking movie, man. It, We've talked it about really it multiple was. times. It's yes, great. we have. It really was. Uh, and this will be out in Japan next summer. Uh, get hype, JoJo fans. Uh, also, on top of that, everybody, by the time you hear this podcast, you will be days, mere days away from the Toonami premiere of the English dub of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure premiering on Toonami on Adult Swim. Uh, Jack, uh, and mm. JoJo fans everywhere, congratulations. Uh, I hope nothing but all the success for JoJo's, and I hope everything goes swimmingly for this show. Uh, Jack, how you feeling? JoJo's is hitting the big time. I'm feeling real happy. Um, you know, David, that I'm not actually much of a TV watcher these days, but I, I just kind of check stuff out on the crunchy rolls and we totally didn't pirate this.com. So that's kind of where I check out my animes, but I see really good things in showing Toonami premiere is that this is going to become more mainstream, which I appreciate because it, well, there's just nothing like Jojo. There really isn't. And as for the live action movie, uh, before I read this article, I was just kind of like, all right, I'm not really. Diamond is Unbreakable, whatever. Because I like Diamond is Unbreakable. I do. But I feel like maybe... Maybe maybe Stardust before Diamond is Unbreakable. I would have liked that. But uh, this is interesting because I, after I took a look at the article for the first time, I thought, oh, Jesus. Jesus, they got some good people for this. The cast list um, is really interesting. And I have... I have been getting a little bit more into uh, live action uh, Japanese stuff. Like I started watching Common uh, Rider Ghost and Detective Common Rider. Really, really weird, really strange, and obviously made for TV. So effects are bizarre. So, well, they'll be bizarre in a different way for the movie, but they could be. Uh, I'm not really looking at it for the effects. I'm looking at it for this could be some really excellent cinema. And I do actually look forward to it now more so than I did before this. And you know me, I love the Jojo's. I really do. But this is definitely more hype for this. And I'm looking forward to seeing how in the next couple of months that uh, the premiere on Toonami starts to get maybe a few more people that kind of, you know, they're, they're floating on the cusp. Maybe they've seen You're, Attack on Titan. All that. You kind might of stuff. have to deal with the filthy casuals, Jack, who, with your JoJo's. Are, are you ready eh, for that? I, I told I'm that to, to, to Colton when it came to Gintama as well. I'm happy to share it with whoever would enjoy it. They don't have to get any deep hidden messages. You know, JoJo is not like a crazy philosophical kind of thing there are characters that are more sophisticated and they've got stuff going on for sure and it's a really nicely brilliantly written really nicely animated awesome 
piece of media, but it's not like this isn't this isn't high literature here. This isn't something that I'm going to uh, be upset for somebody to not get. Like if somebody claims to know all about the story of Blaze Blue and then they end up saying some other bullshit that doesn't make any sense, I'm going to get mad at them. But like this is like whatever. Like JoJo doesn't take itself completely seriously. It's a fun little bizarre adventure and i will be totally happy to like have people come up to me and be like dude i watched joe's bizarre adventure i didn't know anything about this freaking amazing i don't care what kind of bucket guy jeans come at me i'm just happy to have more people that can potentially enjoy it that's what i want uh andy uh i would consider myself uh, on the subject of jojo's bizarre adventure a-, a filthy casual i really only was aware of it maybe in the last year year and a half uh before it its popularity kind of exploded even though it's been around for a while i think that's something that's really unique about this sh- about this franchise is that it's been around for a while but it only exploded in popularity in the last couple of years uh what do you think of jojo uh, are you a fan uh, are you familiar with it at all uh i i do love me some jojo um i am also something of a casual i am completely unfamiliar with the source material and i want to stay as unfamiliar with it as i can and just sort of enjoy it as the anime comes out, mm-hmm. um, let's see here. I I, I uh, caught up to the anime. I think between uh, the first and second half of Stardust Crusaders. Um, so I'm I'm really excited for this. I want more people to be experiencing JoJo. I think it's great. I don't think that Phantom Blood is particularly great, and that the first episode in particular is quite awful. Um, but um yeah i'm excited uh for it to hit toonami even if i won't be watching it because i do not have cable um well on the i will be i will be because beautiful this is this is a show that i gave a chance back in the day i did not hate it by any means i actually thought it was pretty enjoyable uh, I would say uh, emphasis on the word bizarre. Uh, it it mm-hmm. does not shy away from that. And I thought just overall it was a, a fun romp of a show. Yes, at times, very bizarre. But I hold nothing against JoJo. And if it's on Toonami, uh, I will watch it. I, I might have... Uh, a glass of of a beverage of some kind or or two or three and and <laughs> i'm i'm looking forward to catching it plus uh, i've seen some of the dub cast has a few of my favorite english oh, voice yeah. actors of all time uh richard Seitz, uh jameson price uh richard oh, yeah. epcar uh, all of my favorite male anime voice actors uh in english Bubba. of all times indeed mm-hmm. uh I'm su- I'm really interested in seeing how this will go. And also, just as a note, the, the Toonami lineup these days is getting really, really strong. If, if you do have oh, cable yeah. and you're not doing anything on Saturday nights, it's 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 an enjoyable sit down for a few hours on a Saturday David, night. So, actually, yeah, you brought up something kind of interesting that I just mentioned to somebody today because they had actually asked me about JoJo uh, in art class and. 
my response to them was just kind of the same kind of thing is like it's not terribly complex as much uh, as much as most anime is like there's going to be a lot of stuff thrown at you but it's not you know you're not going to have to you know like think too hard about any kind of crazy sim symbolism or whatever and i actually told them you know what would be really great is um if because they're a very social kind of drinker kind of uh, friend i told them this would be a great idea for you to get so and so such and such friend a b and c together and you guys could, you know, knock back a few beers and watch it. Like, I think that you have absolutely the right idea with it is that it's a really it could be a lot of fun for, you know, people to just kind of sit around and like, oh, my God, he really just he really just killed that guy. Jesus Christ. Jack, uh, uh, on a Saturday that. night, if possible, mm -hmm. would you uh, do a a drunken live over the Internet watch of Toonami with Jojo in the lineup <laughs> with me? That, How about you, Andy? Would you be up for that? Maybe on a Saturday night if neither of us are doing anything and I've had a couple of drinks? What do you say? That sounds uh, like a really I, bad time. If I have access to the uh, ability to watch it, I would love to. Let's Sweet. do it. Sweet. That sounds like a thing because I'm... I'm happy for JoJo fans everywhere. Let me make that clear to everyone. I've never said I dislike JoJo. I thought it was pretty okay. It, it was not on my list of priority anime to watch, but I thought it was okay. And I'm going to check it out. I will check it out again with an open heart and an open mind. And David, again, I can say this is a better choice than getting into one piece for sure because stuff is kind of going downhill on that what were you gonna oh, say really? andy i'm sorry uh how much of how much of jojo have you watched david i would say that i watched about five or six episodes of what i believe was stardust crusaders so uh. you faced moody japanese man in a schoolboy outfit i i believe Does so that sound yes yeah. Okay. That does, yeah. So you saw the best parts. So far. okay. I, and, well, and well, again, I, would not I will say that the first five episodes uh, are among the better parts of Stardust Crusaders. I don't think Stardust Crusaders really gets good until the second half. I agree. Um, but uh, I think the the first arc and maybe the beginning of the third arc, not necessarily the greatest places to start. Um, personally, I think uh, the second arc is the. Uh, is the best. It has the best JoJo from what I've seen so far. Of um, when you say second arc, you mean Battle Tendencies? Yes, Battle Tendencies. Yes, Battle Tendencies is really good. Um, I do say to a lot of people that start out, and if they're starting from the beginning, they're starting with Phantom Blood. Phantom Blood, I really personally enjoyed, but that's because I'm a big Hellsing kind of person, so that's part of it. I think that the build-up to it is tonally really, really nice. Everything's nice and dark. And it it sets you up for, you know, the history behind uh, the Big Bad and the Joe Star family. But Battle Tendencies, David, I think would be a little bit more up your alley just with the humor and with the action. I think you'll really Battle like that tendencies. when that gets premiered. Okay. Mm -hmm. Good Good to know. Thank you, Jack. Thank you, Andy. Young Joseph and is best Joseph. Yes. Good to know. I'm looking forward to this. 
Uh, Jack, next story. Uh, this is one oh, yeah. that you were looking forward to. Uh, coming yes. to us from NintendoEverything.com. Uh, something from your beloved ace attorney, Phoenix Wright. Uh, go oh, ahead, Jack. So um, there was an interview with uh, scenario director Takeshi Yamazaki for Ace Attorney, and uh, they were talking about what was considered for the recently released game Ace Attorney Spirit of Justice, uh, which I have had the privilege of having more time to play. Finish the first case, really interesting. Um, for those of you who don't know, it's mostly uh, taking place in... Well, in the Japanese, they called it basically Japanifornia, which I freaking love. But it's more of a spiritual, monk-like setting with the spirit channeling from previous entries in the series dialed up to 11. So it's very distinct, I think, as far as most of the titles go. You're in a different area than usual. And he mentions, uh, Takeshi Yamazaki mentions that they batted around the idea of having Phoenix act as a lawyer in an underground court that served the likes of the Mafia and other underworld inhabitants. And he goes on to say, uh, We were going to put Phoenix in a corner, given that he'd become this legendary lawyer in the course of the series. He was going to be an underground court that served the likes of Mafia, other underworld inhabitants, that would hold trials and render judgment on those who'd broken the rules of the underworld, meaning that even Phoenix would have a tough time believing in his own clients. Furthermore, everyone involved in the trials would be members of the underworld, so naturally there would be false testimonies, forged evidence, bribes, blackmail and other dirty dealings going on under those circumstances we figured even phoenix the great ace attorney would feel incredibly like a fish out of water this sounds amazing when i read this i thought to myself please god let this be ace attorney seven which i believe that they said that they are actually uh starting to produce right now uh, and God, God knows I can't think of the source that I read that at, but Capcom seems to be going full speed with this, and that is really, really pleasing to me. Um, it kind of reminds me of, there was one case, and I will not say which one specifically or which game, but there was actually a case in the past uh, games where you do defend a client who is actually done the deed per se so this kind of seems like they took that concept and really really tried to uh push it in the foreground and do other stuff like that and they have had mafia related cat cases in the past as well in other entries in the series but i'm interested in what you guys think of that does that just sounds absolutely amazing to me uh, I will right. say, Jack, that this mm. does sound really cool, except for one thing. Uh, the fact that Phoenix Wright is this attorney, and he's kind of the face of justice, and he's in the underworld, and everyone is, uh, as they say, there's no honor among thieves, although I guess there's the power of attorney, the degree of difficulty in this game seems like it would be kind of overpowered. Uh, if you're Phoenix Wright uh, trying to 
wade your way through the waters of the underworld to seek out, I guess, criminal justice? It seems like there would be a level of difficulty with the entire game, case after case after case after case, that would just get a little ridiculous eventually. Uh, Andy? Uh, what do, what do you think of this idea of a, of a Phoenix Wright game taking place in the underworld? Uh, I also really like the idea of it. Um, I'm not entirely sure I like how the idea came to conception, which is basically, well, it has to be Phoenix Wright and we have to do something to make it difficult. Um, I think the idea for the, from what I've heard, uh, the idea for the Ace Attorney series was, always to sort of fe- uh, phase Phoenix out after that first uh, trilogy, but everyone loved him, so they kept bringing him back. Um, so I think that, you know, maybe if you want, if, if Phoenix is too overpowered in the series, you know, maybe maybe have some of the other lawyers step up a little bit more. Uh, but I really like the idea of him holding court in an underground, uh, like, in an underground ring. I think that that's a fantastic idea. I'm not sure how much it fits with the series tonally, just because I haven't actually played anything past the original trilogy. But, I mean, conceptually, I love it. Um, I'd like to mention, Andy, that um, if you haven't played past the original trilogy... Uh, I don't necessarily suggest you skip the next game in the series, which is Apollo Justice, but I will say that it it definitely paves the way for everything to be a touch more darker. A lot of stuff hits 11 right off the bat in the first case. You just get absolute cold-bloodedness from various parties, but I will recommend to you And I'd recommend to anyone kind of curious about Ace Attorney, I wouldn't necessarily start with Spirit of Justice because there's a lot of um, continuity from the previous game and from uh, the trilogy of, of course, the recurring character Maya Faye returning. I would say to check out the 3DS title that appeared previously, which is Dual Destinies. I have played this game side by side with no less than five people. I have sat there, I have listened to their condescending questions, I have watched them flub and flub again, and I will say, they have all come back from the experience absolutely feeling rewarded, feeling betrayed, heartbroken, but also fulfilled, because that one is completely rotating around uh, what I think that the underground lawyer uh, fits this kind of tone is, I mean, for heaven's sake, the prosecutor you face in that game is a death row inmate. It, it doesn't get much darker than that. It's, and and that's kind of what I'm, that's kind of what I'm getting at is that uh, in this idea, uh, that would be a game. Everyone except for Phoenix is, for the lack of a better term, completely morally bankrupt. There is no code. It's really only about winning. And in a game like this, 
I feel like, call me crazy, guys, would Phoenix Wright really be the right guy for this? And that is something I would like to also mention is they've done spinoffs before. First of all, they had a new protagonist in Apollo Justice, but they've also let Miles Edgeworth, who I would argue between him and Phoenix, Miles Edgeworth is actually the more developed character. You know more about his past, you see how he develops and changes, and, you know, he's got his old big thing with morality himself. Uh, they could very well just take a, a random character, like, they could take, um, you know, they could take any number of the characters from the cast, or make a new one, and just kind of have it loosely uh, tie-in, or get this shoe, Takami, you did Ghost Trick, and that was pretty rad until it ended, and then the ending was miserable. Uh, make a spinoff that's Ace Attorney-like, but, you know, has a different set of characters. And, you know, it goes to show maybe that's a little bit too uh, complex for them at the time. Maybe they, maybe they think, oh, creating a whole new set of assets and whatever, maybe not a best... Uh, course of action for this maybe they want to stick to ace attorney but i think a spinoff absolutely sounds like a much better plan especially since i love phoenix phoenix Wright is a really interesting character i like him a lot but he's turning into a really weird kind of character because he keeps getting older he keeps um becoming more and more of this renowned badass and it's like i i think we've I don't want to say maybe we've run the course with him, but it might be interesting to see him take the place of Mia Faye uh, in the future. Maybe he's more of a council or something like that. And God Jack, hopes I just he doesn't die. I just had a terrible idea, and I apologize to listeners. And Andy, I apologize to you for, for what I'm about to say. But then again, it is my podcast. Um no. With this, with this idea of this, this particular game, uh, my favorite, well, one of my favorite Phoenix Wright characters was none other than Francisca von Karma. And uh, the thing that came to my mind was possibly something out of an episode of Law and Order SVU, where <laughs> there might have been a crime of some sort possibly involving bdsm i don't know I, i'm not judging anybody but th this is if there was something like that in a future ace attorney game well i can't say i wouldn't be intrigued and, and i feel like i feel like what jack is alluding to maybe with edgeworth and maybe with apollo justice and other characters Maybe that's something that they could look into. I'm just Ace Attorney saying. Special Victims Unit. <laughs> I would absolutely play the shit out of a freaking uh, Special Victims Unit Ace Attorney. I'm not even kidding. I would love that kind of stuff. Uh, Andy, well, am, have I have I ruined your outlook on me? And now that I I look like a a total sexual deviant. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> No, no, trust me. I think that my outlook on me is way worse than my outlook on you. <laughs> You're going to fit, fit right, right in. in here. <laughs> You're uh -huh. going to fit right in. You're going to like All it right. here. I'd be interested in hearing what people would think of a game like this. So be sure to tweet me 
uh, resident Ace Attorney fan here at Jack D Tyler D on Twitter, and I'd like to hear what your thought would be. Um, maybe if you don't think Phoenix is the right protagonist, uh, who would be your? Um, I want to mention some, but some of them are spoilers. So uh, maybe mention to me on Twitter at Jack D Tyler D who you think might be a good protagonist, or even if you would play this game, that would be interesting. I'd like to hear. And if you're into the occasional whips and chains with Francisca <laughs> Von Karma cosplayers, you can tweet me at just call me DJM because DJM don't judge. DJM tweet me if you does not like judge. <laughs> Jack don't judge either. Tweet me if you cosplay Gumshoe. <laughs> I don't judge Phoenix Wright cosplayers, but I am judging this new trailer. For the oh. Ghost in the Shell live action movie starring Scarlett Johansson. Ooh, uh, guys, have you, uh, ha- have you seen this yet? Jack, Andy, have you guys I seen this? Not. I have okay. not, unfortunately. Briefly. All right. Well, uh, just a couple of days ago, there was a, a quick, short little, little teaser trailer for the live action Ghost in the Shell movie starring Scarlett Johansson. Um, no secret, everyone out there knows I, I love my git. I love my standalone complex. Uh, I love my Motoko Kusanagi. She, she is in my mind the preeminent strong female anime protagonist. Who uh, don't need and, no man. Or woman in some cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, and well, guys, your boy DJM did not totally hate this teaser. Interesting. Yeah. Granted, it was only about 50 seconds long. But here's the thing. The actual trailer itself, it matched the overall focus of the first Ghost in the Shell movie really well. It felt like something that Mamoru Oshii would have been involved with. There were extended moments of silence. There were questions asked that were not answered. There, there were things that were left open. Uh, there was the aesthetic of the long hallways uh, that is known from Mamoru Oshii's various works, including Ghost in the Shell. Uh, there were dolls. There were cyber dolls. There were some interesting-looking characters. Uh, Daisuke Aramaki, the, the chief, uh, made an appearance in the trailer. And Scarlett Johansson as Major Motoko Kusanagi. Yeah, it was something of a topic of controversy a few months ago because she's not Asian. The rest of the cast is Asian, but she is not. Guys, yeah, I didn't totally hate this trailer. And no secret... I'm the guy that is looking to shit on this movie. I really am. And I didn't totally hate this trailer. So it, I, I kind of have to give it a pass and say, okay, you've, you've earned yourself some time and I'm not going to be totally internet snarky person yet. And a part of me died on the inside because of the fact that it didn't look terrible. Jack, well, we'll what do I do? What do I do, Jack? I think I, you stick I by your dirty. guns. I feel dirty. 
take a page from our last story. Take a page from Phoenix Wright. Stick to your damn guns. It's fine. I'll support you until somebody shoots me and then you're alone. I promise. Andy, uh, for as long as I've been doing anime podcasts of some sort and some some variety, uh, one long-standing bit that I've done is crapping on live-action anime adaptations. I love Ghost in the Shell passionately. Uh, what do I do about this? Because, again, I know deep down I'm going to hate this movie, but seeing this teaser, and it's just a teaser, teaser it planted just enough of a tiny bit of doubt to where I'm saying, oh no, this looks like it might actually be decent. Well, I, I'm really not someone who should be able to talk at all since I have not actually seen Ghost in the Shell yet. It has <gasps> been on my it's been on my to watch list for a long time. It seems like something that I should love in in concept. Um I just haven't gotten around to it yet. It's okay. Uh, it's okay. But but let me let me paint it for you. Um and Jack, uh, given that we just talked about JoJo getting a live action movie, uh, no secret there is a history of live action anime adaptations not exactly being great. What do you do when you see a teaser or a trailer and you kind of have to admit, oh no, it it actually looks like it might be okay. Uh, uh, Andy, what do you do? And, and and just just take your one of your top three, top five anime ever. And if it were to get a live action anime adaptation, if it were to get a movie, a movie in the West, in fact, and, and you're expecting it to be bad. And then you see the trailer and you're like, oh, that actually kind of looked okay. What do you do? What do you say? Well, I, I think there's nothing wrong with, um, you know, approaching it and, and going towards it and saying, okay, I'm going to check this out. But I mean, as long as it sounds like you're approaching with caution, which I think is the the best way to look at it. I mean, you know, it's like the uh, the Boy Scout motto, you know, expect the or um, be prepared for the best prepared for the worst or whatever. That is, I don't know. Maybe that's not Boy Scouts. That would be be prepared. Yeah, there's there's some there's some saying it's you know uh, hope for the best, prepare for the worst. Indeed, uh, and indeed. I I think you can you can be hopeful and uh, you know say well I'm actually looking forward to this uh, as long as you you know I mean it's it's fine. It's it's fine to want to like it, uh, and it's fine to not want to like it at the same time. I'm sorry. Jack? What I'm saying is making no sense right now. <laughs> no, no, no. It it does make I sense. I, I, yeah. I we're picking up what you're putting down, Jack. What do mm -hmm. I do? I I kind of didn't hate this teaser, and I don't know what to do. I'm telling you, uh, I don't think that it's completely out of uh out of your element to go i'm gonna expect the worst but cross my fingers for this if you're excited 
I would be excited because I don't think that it does anybody any good to just sit around and be upset about stuff that hasn't existed yet. And I do have my own uh, points where I will kind of get like that. But I, I tell people, you know, if you can prove me wrong, if you can prove to me that this is actually good, if I go and I'm pleasantly surprised, I will take that. I'm not going to begrudgingly be like, well, I still hate it. No. Uh, David, I'm telling you, if if your if your hype, even the slightest, I'd say keep that hype. And if you are disappointed, there wasn't much of a bar to clear in the first place, you know. And, and I, I am I am a big fan of of Scarlett Johansson as a performer and as an I'm actress. Uh, and I'm also a big fan of really highbrow, pretentious sci-fi. Everyone knows that. Uh, as I've said many, many times, I'm the guy that also liked the movie Lucy. Yeah, that was me. I was the one. And I respect your opinion, but I do not respect them shitting on science. I'm sorry. But I respect I, your I opinion. Understand. And I respect I you understand. liking ScarJo. I respect and, you for liking ScarJo and sci-fi and... You know, I'm not the person to get offended for them casting a white chick as an Asian lady. I'm really not, because that doesn't affect my demographic. Hashtag white privilege. I don't know. It doesn't. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be the person to put the the white seal of approval like everybody should be upset about this because I'm white and I said it's a problem. It's fine. If if people you know, are going to get mad, they're going to get mad, but it could be cool. I'm more mad that the movie doesn't look terrible, and all of us jerk-asses on the internet may not have something to snark over. That's what I'm most upset about. You know what you could always do is we could do an MST3K style like passive-aggressive thing, like damn, it would have been great if the effects there were shitty. Man, she actually said that in a decent manner. It was a weird translation. Ah, jeez, and the card, everybody's pronouncing the names properly. This is this is way better than Last Airbender. Jesus, this is this is <laughs> amazing. This is so adequate. It'd be great. That'd be really interesting. Though, to be fair, Jack, just a couple of weeks ago, we were pretty hyped for Battle Angel Alita. So, maybe maybe there's hope. Maybe there's hope. Oh yeah. Let's cross our fingers. Let's cross our fingers and let's talk about something silly. Oh, yeah. Uh, there is a story courtesy of Otaku USA Magazine um, where there was a poll from Carapedia uh, with the question of which anime leaders would you follow to the bitter end? Uh, and there was 20, uh, including a... Coming in at number 20 for us old schoolers like me, Captain Bright Noah from Mobile Suit Gundam. Uh, but I'll just give you guys the top six. Uh, starting with uh, Levi, or Levy, from Attack on Titan. Uh, from Kuroko's Basketball, Seijudo. Uh, Gintoki from Gintama. Uh, Honoka, I'm probably pronouncing that one wrong, from Love Live. Uh, Daichi Sawamura from Haikyuu, exclamation point, exclamation point. And at number one, as far as Japanese <gasps> anime fans, uh, to follow the number one leader they would follow, Monkey D. Luffy. 
His name is Luffy. That's Monkey D. The, the leader Ooh. that anime fans would follow the most. Uh, Andy, uh, how, how are you feeling about this list? Uh, a- Andy, we'll, we'll go to you first. Uh, you saw this and, uh, just, if you gotta look at it, uh, was there, I mean, Luffy at number one, first of all. Um, but yeah, overall, would you follow the, the, the would-be pirate king to the ends of the earth? Um, well, let me just start by saying that, uh, it's, it's sort of, you know, a, a running joke. The otaku uh, in, in Japan don't exactly have the greatest taste. Like, they, they love, I mean, they, they legitimately love Ori Emo for one thing. Um, but, like, while most of this list is, you know, I'm on, I think I actually agree with, uh, with Monkey D. Luffy as a great leader. Uh, he is, he's legitimately a very good judge of character who cares about his companions and, you know, will put his life on the line for any of them. I, I think he's a fantastic leader. Uh, and I mean, I don't agree. I, I don't disagree with that choice at all. I will say, um, seeing Captain Bright make it in at number 20, that made me happy. One, as a Gundam fan, two, as someone who served in the military, uh, seeing Captain Bright make it and knowing that the Bright Slap still holds some merit, uh, to you young'uns out there, that, that does touch my heart quite a bit. Uh, a Jack, I, I feel as though you are almost shaking through the intertubes uh, to speak your piece. So, as I said on the last episode, I yield the remainder of my time to the gentleman from California. Jack, take it away. Oh, boy. I'll, I'll, I'll withhold oh, my so, judgment so, for number one for a second. Sorry, sorry, Jack. One more thing. Also, that is not the person I would pick from Attack on Titan. No. Not the guy I would pick. Levi's no. got don't rape me eyebrows. That's not somebody I'd follow. <laughs> he would get pounded in prison. Pounded. Pounded. Aside from that, I withhold what I was going to say on number one for a second to say uh, Whitebeard is number 17, really. I don't know, man. I, I feel like Whitebeard is a little overhyped. And granted, I'd replace the majority of these, especially One Piece characters, with villains. I would... I would follow Enaru in a heartbeat, and I'll tell you why. Enaru fucking wins. He gets to the goddamn moon and becomes ruler of the moon people. Spoilers, but go and see how he does it, One Piece manga fans. Um, but aside from that, I'm noticing that I don't actually recognize a lot of these characters. And there are a lot of new shows or shows that just don't catch my interests. Like, I don't know anything about Kurokono's basketball. And I don't know anything about. Jack? Sorry about that. Somewhere. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so I, I don't know anything about, like, the majority of these anime that are listed here, and I don't even know how to pronounce most of them. But uh, I will say uh, that perhaps the most lacking member that could be on this list is. 
uh, one of two from a certain anime that I like called Code Geass, and that is Lelouch v. Britannia. I would absolutely follow him because motherfucker had a plan. And yeah, I would, he did. I would also say that maybe ahead of Lelouch, even just from his his uh, his forceful attitude and his absolutely great entertainment value, I'd love to be an underling of Sir Jeremiah Gottwald. He is a spectacular character, and I'm not even saying just like the, the fact of him going completely insane let's put that aside for a minute i would absolutely follow him to the bitter end uh because he just never gives up he's got what the kids call determination uh now to just quickly say what i would say about luffy i agree he's a really good judge of character and i honestly don't have too much beef with the character because it's a shonen and the main character's got to be spunky and fun and odd and a little bit off i don't think he's number one leader but i will say why i think that he is i'm, I'm not going to get into a bunch of details do you, i will just do say you think, I, do you think the the main reason is because it's one piece and one piece is such a, a monolith do you think that's part of it I think the reason, and I'm going to give it, is uh, Japan, if you look at popularity contests or choose your favorite character from Manga X uh, kind of write-ins and things like that in the, all the various mangas and such, 100% of the time, main character gets it. If it's if it's a Japanese-conducted test, 100% of the time, Ichigo gets it, Luffy gets it. The main guy from Blue Exorcist gets it. Just like a lot of shonen, a lot of shoujo, a lot of all kinds of various stuff. Unless you're getting into like, you know, crazy seinen, like stuff like Monster or Helsing. And even then, people are probably this is like, a, hell yeah, this I love is part of the reason why I'm so surprised uh, Captain Bright from Gundam made it. I mean, he was never the main character. Uh, I would say at best he was maybe the, the second character in, in various uh, Gundam iterations, but he was always kind of the, the commander of the ship, the commander of the battalion, the commander of the mobile suit pilots, and he was always that officer guy, uh, which I always appreciated and respected, but uh, I, I am rather surprised that he made it, uh, e even in at number 20, uh, in the very last of this. Uh, but yeah, go ahead. It, it's very, it's very surprising to see, you know, anything quote-unquote classic showing up on here. Like, I expected, you know, more stuff from DBZ, and nothing. Absolutely nothing. Just a lot of Kurokino basketball, whatever the heck. I what, wouldn't what is this? I wouldn't, I would never follow anyone from DBZ. I, w I wouldn't either, but I mean, like, I'm shocked that that didn't show up because I feel like they tend to... I mean, I don't know. I'm not shocked that some random Moe blob from Love Live showed up on this list. I'm really not. I don't know anything about Love Live all that much. But I mean, I'm not going to follow a little girl, okay? First of all, I don't want to get arrested. And secondly, I wouldn't take anything she told me to do seriously if she's like, Okay, Yoni-chan, we're gonna... We're gonna go and fight and we're gonna win! I'd just be like, okay, you know what? I can't take you seriously. I'm not gonna follow you anywhere, let alone to the bitter end. Sorry, friend. 
The one exception to that rule might be, and this is not even an anime character, this is a game character, I would follow Eeb, I-B, from the titular game. So I, I would. Just because she knows her way around a haunted art gallery. But that's it. No other little girls. Sorry. Not following them. That's just weird. Any particular little girls you would follow? Andy? <laughs> um, no comment. Um, <laughs> fair enough. All right. I, I, I will say, though, that, um, well, one, I don't necessarily think that Luffy is the best leader in anime, but of the list of who I'm familiar with, I think he's definitely one of the best choices on here. Um, two, I think it's, you know, really a testament to, uh, to Noah that he's on the list just because there's a lot of recency bias, bias in here, or in the terms of, you know, one piece, like a, a huge franchise, um, and a lot of sports shows on the list as well. But like, I think, um, the things that are really missing are sort of the, the slightly older shows that have sort of fallen out of the main collective that aren't necessarily considered you know classics quite yet um yeah i was i was shocked to see no uh no gang members from durara showing up because there are you know there's spoiler character who is a decent leader from that i fully expected to see that on this list if i I may provide if I may provide a deep, deep cut, since uh, the the old school was alluded to a little bit, great teacher Onizuka. There's one you never see much of anymore. But I, I would I absolutely would think agree with that choice. At, at least of my generation, that's a guy a lot of people would follow. Or Freddie Mercury from, from Cromartie High School. He's a great uh, leader. I'm gonna go with Freddie. Oh, uh, I think. I personally think that the the two biggest omissions are, you know, uh, Kamina and or Simone from Gurren Lagann, um, and a, as well as someone from Full Metal Alchemist. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I think I know exactly who you're talking about. So, General <clears throat> well, Armstrong. There's no specific person that I'm talking about from Full Metal Alchemist because oh, there some... are a lot of there there are a lot of pretty decent options i thought you were talking about uh fear actually i thought you were oh. like keeping it a secret because you were about to say wrath and i was like oh oh i did that it's an old ass anime watch it well, it's not <laughs> that old but jesus christ if you're not spoiled by that that's like the first thing uh but yeah like a lot of people in there have great leadership skills but is that maybe the result of too many chiefs not enough indians perhaps is that why there's so much conflict in that show do you think where Maybe. everybody wants to uh, receive the ultimate knowledge and everybody wants to be on the top. Everybody wants to be fear, stuff like that. Could be. If, uh, I, I, if you would My follow... answer would be General Armstrong. That's my answer. General Armstrong. Armstrong, I would follow into uh, a dark that, alley, even though that, that would um, possibly end up really badly. Uh, which... which, which... When you say General Armstrong, which one is that again? Is that um That would be Major Armstrong's slightly terrifying older sister. Yes. Oh, okay. I should have known. I thought yes, of, I thought so. Um, I thought of Alex Louise Armstrong. Olivier. Who is wonderful. Who Olivier. is wonderful in Olivier. his own right. He yes. is the Armstrong family is amazing and so many things have been passed down through generations. <laughs> 
and they are great. I would follow the whole family. I would try and get adopted. Oh man! But I would uh, enlist. But I would enlist in the the Federation forces and be under Captain Bright before any of them. That, that's that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. But the next story is courtesy of. Oh, go ahead, Jack. Go ahead. I did have one more thing, just to kind yeah. of open up the conversation again, because I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to be a good co-host. Um, let us know via our twitters uh, at just call me DJM at. Uh, Jack D. Tyler D. Uh, let us know uh, who you would absolutely not follow. That might be an interesting thing because there are sure a lot of useless characters in anime, but I'm interested in seeing who you think would be an absolute uh, threat to your life, an absolute detriment. I'd like to see that. Please send me your suggestions. Anyway, sorry, David. Back on track. That is all right. The next story comes to us courtesy of the Ladybug Man himself. Uh, this manga, Silver Spoon, uh, has had some some issues in recent years, and it is going back on hiatus. Uh, Andy, oh Silver Spoon, th- the manga. Uh, tell us a little bit about it and uh, what's been happening. Uh, well, uh, Silver Spoon is by uh, Hiromu, uh, Hiromu Arakawa, who is known probably best for her work on Full Metal Alchemist. Um, and uh, it's essentially the story of this city boy who kind of doesn't want to deal with the pressures of his family, so he moves out to this rural school, expecting to be like the best one in the class. Uh, and through that, he sort of learns a lot about agriculture and also learns a lot about uh, himself. Um and I, it, it's one of my favorite series, uh, just because it has very good characters in it. Um, uh, as, as a farm boy, it's something that is very close to my heart. Uh, and it's really well written. Um, the issue is that the manga is now very close to the climax. It's close to the end of the story. Um, and it has been on hiatus for most of the past two years at this point. Um, it just went on hiatus again after coming out of hiatus and um, only putting out two more chapters. Uh, and before that, it was on like an eight-month hiatus. Um, or Oh, no, uh, not an eight-month hiatus. It was from February to like the end of August. Uh, but before that, there was an eight month hiatus. Uh, and it's just frustrating. It's heartbreaking. I, I understand, um, you know, Arakawa is having some issues with a, a family member who's having, uh, you know, health problems. Uh, apparently at one point, a area she wanted to go to, to research, uh, ended up becoming a war zone, meaning that her research was brought to a screaming halt. It's um, interesting you bring that up because uh, another series that she has penned, one that I happen to enjoy quite a bit, uh, The Heroic Legend of Arslan, uh, Arslan Senki. 
uh, is kind of based around uh, the Persian War, um, which is modern-day Iran. Um, and also, it is my understanding that Arslan, uh, aside from myself, did grow a bit in popularity. Uh, and of course, there's always money to be made with Full Metal Alchemist. Uh, and it seems like this is an example of a manga and a story that has a tendency to be put on the back burner in favor of other things. Do you think that's the case? Um, I'm not entirely sure. Well, is, is Arslan still running? Um, I believe it is. Uh, I know that the second season of the anime is about to start soon. So, uh, if okay, it's not that, running that already, may be the that may be the place where she wanted to go to research that became a war zone. Then, because um, I don't exactly know of many war zones in in Hokkaido, which would be probably where she would want to be uh, researching Silver Spoon. Uh, but. Uh, would it be put on the back burner for those? I'm not sure. I hope not. But I guess it's possible. It's just, it's so frustrating to see it go on the back burner and, and have so many hiatuses when it's so close to finishing. What are you seeing from the finish of this series? What do you think is, uh, what is it about? What do you think's going to happen? How do you think it's going to turn out? Um, well, uh, the big events going on right now is, um, the main character is, you know, just sort of launching his own company, uh, right now. And he's working on getting that established. Uh, at the same time, he's tutoring this, you know, girl that uh, he's in love with and who she's probably in, she's probably in love with him as well. But like, they're like, well, no, we've got to get our lives on track before we uh, really focus on romance, uh, which is frustrating. I just want to see them get married. I've never mm -hmm. wanted to see an anime couple get married anymore. It's not like, it's not a, okay, look, just bang already. Just hook up. It's a, no, just start living together and start a family and, and working together. That's it's that type of love. Um, Thank goodness. Like she, she's attempting to get into, you know, her school of choice. Um, Cause like they're, they're graduating. So a lot of the characters are going through some very vital interviews uh, and, you know, various other sort of crossing of crossings of thresholds that we're only getting bits and pieces of at a time well that's that's tough if you, especially if you're a fan of it um i hope it finishes and and i hope it ends up well and Me too. i hope that they go back to it because it seems like th there's nothing worse than an unfinished story so hopefully arakawa goes back to it hopefully. and um jack uh, there is yes. something that was going on that's unfinished that I know you had something to say about. Uh, and we're talking about Blaze Blue. Uh, so this story came to us from the, from the mighty Shoryuken.com, uh, from the voice actor from one of the characters of Blaze Blue's Central Fiction. Um, Jack, I know I saw a poll or, or a, a, a crowdfunding a campaign, a petition, a petition. for, 
Blaze Blue to get a dub, an English dub. Um, mm-hmm. And then you showed me this story. Uh, so oh, yeah. why don't you go ahead and uh, give us a little bit on this one? All righty. First, I'd like to directly quote Axis Games on uh, their tweet, on their official Twitter. This is what they've announced uh, as of August 23rd regarding Blaze Blue Central Fiction, which is the fourth game in the series. Well, story-wise, if you talk extra versions, definitely not. But an English dub isn't looking promising at this point. Unfortunate, but just want to let you all know. There's more developments on this, but first I'll get into what Patrick Seitz says um, about the game. Uh, oh yeah, also there's this other tweet. I forgot about it. Um, basically boiled down to game now with no dub, game six to eight months later with dub. We made a tough decision, but stick by it. I will get to that. But first, Patrick Seitz, who is uh, responsible for the voice of Ragna the Blood Edge, who is the main character, main protagonist, uh, he expressed a lot of disappointment. He was... Uh, talking about how he'd shared a lot of experiences like the fans had, how the uh, dub had connected him to people and how people connect to the dub. And he ends it with, and what a cast we've had. I think our blaze blue English cast is one of the best fighting game ensembles in the genre. Frankly, I'm not saying that as a self aggrandizing actor or as someone who's bummed over the loss of a paycheck. I'm saying that as someone who like you has spent the last Eight years with these characters, cheering their victories, mourning their losses, and understanding the world of Blaze Blue more, or sometimes less, with each new revelation. If the sub-only Blaze Blue Central Fiction sells well in America, it'll be seen as proof that an English dub isn't essential, that's an, an expensive frippery, as it were, and that they were right to release a pared-down version. At that point, why commit funds to a dub after the fact when they've already got your cash in hand? And if Blaze Blue Central Fiction doesn't sell well, no one's going to want to throw good money after bad by dubbing something that underperformed in its initial U.S. release. Now, I'm sorry, David. I'm going to have to get on a little bit of a soapbox for this. Do I have your permission? Go. Go. All right. Fighting games are an immensely different kind of a duck than dubbing an anime. I don't care what your reasons are for sub versus dub on anything aside from a fighting game. It's fine. You're entitled to your opinion. But when it comes to a dub option for fighting games in general, not talking about access, talk about in general here. It adds so much to be able to hear what the characters are saying in goddamn English in battle against one another, as opposed to what is essentially background noise, shrieking, screaming, and incomprehensible gibberish. Occasionally, you'll hear the odd weeb phase that you know, Soda, or Gambate, or whatever, but you it doesn't draw you in as much as if you were hearing just a bunch of snappy one-liners or maybe you sit there with your character and then they just kind of mutter like what's wrong and you're like oh well shit i better get back in this game 
that in its own is absolutely worth the price of admission. But then you add in stuff like having characters voicing the story, which they've always had in Blaze Blue games. Having these characters that I'm so used to their voices in English by this point, it, it just doesn't even occur to me to even uh, consider buying this game at all. And I didn't really find much interesting in it anyway because they were adding in a bunch of girly girls and i'm not really super into that because i mean the game is kind of getting overtaken by that but it was the last in chronicling the main character's story this is the very last one in the main story wise i think they're gonna either move on to a spin-off or maybe this is it or they'll just you know make constant constant uh extend and remake versions but as it is, this was kind of the culmination of it, and I absolutely agree with Mr. Seitz that this is really, really heartbreaking. And that is not all, David. There has been a little bit of a development in this. Uh, and uh, I do not have the article on hand, but basically uh, there have been uh, just people connecting the dots with other ways that uh, Axis Games has really given its character uh, its customer service the shaft in terms of north america and in localization in general uh david you might be aware of a little game series that they had prior to blaze blue called guilty gear mm -hmm. and guilty gear is freaking amazing and i just bought guilty gear zard for steam and it's incredible and it has a dub and i was really not expecting that and i thought that was a really pleasant surprise and they have a really yes, good cast Yes, it does. Yeah, Yuri Lowenthal, and I don't know who does the voice for Faust, but he's absolutely perfect, and I appreciate him immensely. Faust for president. Um, but I found out something kind of upsetting, because I thought to myself, oh, I heard rumors that Guilty Gear Revelator, which is the definitive version of Guilty Gear Xard, uh, was going to also make a PC release. And lo and behold, I found out that it did not receive a dub for console versions, and the same reason was given, oh, we just didn't think it was necessary. We thought we could, you know, save a little bit of money and things like that. Basically, we're having some really frustrating customer service here. And the final nail in the coffin is the third game in the Blaze Blue series, Chrono Phantasma, did not come out with a what is basically a sound check or a gallery. They called it library mode. Uh, they did not include that. And the reasons given by Axis were, we don't want people pirating the music. Well, first of all, newsflash, it's going to happen anyway, because the soundtrack is amazing. But secondly, the game comes with its soundtrack. I don't know what you think you're trying to pull here, friend. Just let people look at the pictures and look at the music. So people complained enough. And by the time that Chrono Phantasma Extend came out, they added it back in again, which shows that, yes, they will listen if enough people give, you know, vocal opinion. Squeaky Wheel gets the grease and all that. But they're not having a good track record with this. And I don't care what in the world possesses anybody... All right. Sorry, go I ahead. I don't know who yeah. in the world possesses anybody to uh, think that, you know, 
the the Japanese is superior, the English is superior. The point is, it's been a mainstay in Blaze Blue in particular, and this is frustrating. This is absolutely frustrating. So I'd recommend to anybody who is maybe kind of on the fence of getting Central Fiction, or uh, maybe you had an experience with the dub or anything, I would just go ahead and say, you know, uh, maybe consider buying it used if you have to buy it, or, you know, I don't know, if you're going to import it, is that really going to make much of a difference? I would just say to people, you know, if this is affecting you, if you think, oh, this is, you know, this is frustrating, I really enjoyed Patrick Seitz, Duggar, Holtz, all those guys, I I would say, you know, let Axis Games know, because they are not, you know, they are not going to get away with this. They really should not. A lot of people expressed either disappointment or indifference on these uh, Shoryuken articles, and I just go ahead and say, yeah, be vocal because i mean what's six to eight months if people are already importing the game now from japan to play it just just give it a while and because like blaze blue is not just about a really crazy off the wall mechanically bizarre fighting game it's about the story it's about the characters and people will say that for any number of fighting games but this one is really special and that's what's really heartbreaking about this. Thank you. Now, Jack, uh, I think you made a fantastic case for this. However, uh, I know some people that are fans of this franchise and other fighting game franchises and other game franchises uh, from this company. And I have noticed... A, a trend with all of them. And this goes back to the, the blockbuster video days, as it were. That, yes, there is still that narrative with a certain segment of fans of games, of anime, that will, under no circumstances, ever, 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 accept anything but the Japanese voice acting under no circumstances. And oftentimes they play blaze blue. They play guilty gear almost because they are, they don't always have an English dub or an English voice cast, or they immediately go to the Japanese voices with subtitles. There is still, even now, that visceral aversion to English voice acting with anything from Japan. And I've seen that with uh, some of the so-called anime fighters. Uh, not so much with my beloved Tekken, uh, definitely not with games like Killer Instinct or Mortal Kombat, but with the, the so-called anime fighters, yes. And it seems like Arxis is saying if these are the people that are buying the games and they're saying they don't really care about the jet, about the English voice casting, uh, it's uh, an unfortunate possibility that you might be outnumbered on this one, Jack. I'm sorry. That's the impression that I'm getting from Arxis. And that, that's what's really frustrating about this is that people uh, 
people are nerds. I'm sorry to throw around the N-word. People are nerds. People don't really care about, you know, they, they think inherently that English voice is bad. But, I mean, there's... There's such a huge difference, and I am seeing some promising comments on these articles that say the same thing that I do, is that in the heat of battle, they're not going to subtitle what the people are saying, because that just that defeats the purpose of paying attention to the fight. It's just a completely different kind of a goose than, uh, you know, dubbing an anime. You can have, you know, your absolute aversion to translating Nakama into English if you want, in, you know, any other Japanese media, even another game. I don't care if, you know, you want to play Disgaea on Japanese. But when it comes to fighting games that have been presented with a dub, there's nothing, nothing that reaches that level of intensity, that, that including that content of a dub voice in the heat of battle. It, it just, it adds so so very much but i do see what you're saying and that is absolutely heartbreaking but i am seeing plenty of people who have signed the petition who have brought in developments who have been trying to get this into journalist size to say you know it's our money we don't have to if we don't want to and this could encourage action and if it doesn't I didn't really want to play this one anyway. The dub would have been the selling point for me. And I would have seen the story to its completion and seen what goes on. But this doesn't really change a lot for me because, like I said, there's a lot of weird, questionable character choices in this. And it's a niche game for me anyway. I can make do with the incredible triad of games that have already been released but I'm going to be really sad because Blaze Blue is really important to me. Not just for what an interesting and cool story it is, but it also had some interesting thoughts on people's love and people's relationships to each other. So, like I said, heavily disappointed on this, and I'm really mad at Axis for doing a lot of questionable and frustrating stuff. Really upset about that. So, they're going to probably lose a customer at least for a while perhaps forever perhaps that's that's how you show what it's all about you show them with your wallet and you hit them where it hurts the most and uh, i'll put the uh, if you send me the petition i'll put it in the show notes for people to check out and maybe arxis will come around maybe this will be something that they do take a little bit more seriously um, let's just wrap it up. Uh, we'll just throw this one around the horn a little bit. Um, it is just about time for the fall 2016 anime season. Andy, uh, are there any shows that you're interested in right now? Are there any shows that you might be watching this season for the fall? Uh, it's, it's tough to say right now. It's like we're only a few days in, but <laughs> so far only two things have even remotely caught caught my interest and that's um like first of all uh izeta which is i'm hesitant to, i'm really like it's a sort of world war ii era magic based show i think um which i love the sound direction in it um it's uh i think that's very good and it it's looking really good so far 
The only thing that gives me pause is that it is um, written by the guy who did the series composition for uh, Elf and Lid. Um, and uh, I believe uh, uh, he is the creator of uh, Seikon no Quasar, which is uh, that one series where oh, the guy my. gets powers by drinking oh, breast boy. milk. Oh, yeah, shit. That that one. Yeah, I remember that one. Okay then. So I'm yeah. I'm I'm liking that one. I'm liking Yuzeta so far, but I'm really hesitant about it. <laughs> um, the other thing I am enjoying is uh, Tiger Mask W. Yeah, now we're talking. That's mine. It doesn't nice. look fantastic necessarily, but there's just something kind of compelling about it, even for a guy like me who has never watched wrestling. Well, as someone who loves wrestling, uh, this show is going to be my show for the fall season. Um, we're, we're wrapping up summer, uh, for instance, season coming up very soon. Uh, and we'll probably bring up, uh, I know I will be bringing up Tiger Mask W for the fall. Uh, of course, Tiger Mask, the famed anime character who transitioned into New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, and now this brand new anime, Tiger Mask W, featuring some of the current modern stars from New Japan Pro Wrestling, Hiroshi Tanaha- Tanahashi, Kazuchika Okada, and the Tiger Mask character himself. I'm, I'm definitely interested in this one. It's, uh, as I've said countless times, the, the Venn diagram between wrestling fandom and anime fandom is strong. And when something like this happens, where the two converge, it's, it's magic. So right now for me, it's, it's Tiger Mask W. Uh, once we're done with it's in season for the summer, I will be diving off the rope springboard style and doing a tope suicida into Tiger Mask W. Uh, Jack, uh, mm-hmm. have you got anything for this fall season for, for the animus? Uh, well, clearly I'm going to watch Kiss Her, Not Me. Just kidding. Just kidding. Okay, oh, so... That's so everybody, we're looking, f- we're looking for a new co- for a new co-host here on the anime podcast of some sort. So feel free to tweet me at just call me DJM. <laughs> I read some of the I, manga for that. I didn't know it was getting an adaptation. Yeah, it, that, don't ask that me why be. I read some of the manga. Oh dear. Well, no offense to you, but uh, that 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 series can go straight to hell. Um, <laughs> The ones I was actually interested in um, were was uh, kind of the continuation of Steins Gate, Chaos Head, and Robotics Notes. Occultic Nine looks pretty interesting. I have been meaning to check out a little bit more of Robotics Notes, so that'll be interesting. But the big one for me is uh, Non Baka. Did either of you see uh, the preview for that or maybe hear of it? I have heard of it, and I did see it mentioned on the Crunchyroll Fall Season Preview. This caught my eye because of the premise. It basically sounds to me like anime super jail. And I am 
oh freaking K with that. That sounds really awesome. Colorful characters, weird animation, uh, the humor is right up my alley. It seemed to have the same kind of, uh, kind of strange, wacky pacing as Osomansu-san and David knows I'm sad enough that I would certainly enjoy myself another comedy. And there was one more that caught my eye. Uh, the Great Passage. Uh, which looked to be a little bit more of uh, something that I've been kind of trying to find my way through is a lot of people will tell me about, you know, this or that anime where it's like, oh, they're they're making a manga or they're, you know, they're doing this or that and they're, they're uh, you know, real life struggles and things like that. And there was one that... Uh, really resonated with me about a ghostwriter, which I forget the name of. It was like Uban something something. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't think of it. But um, this is uh, the story of two men creating a dictionary. So uh, that being of Japanese kanji, I would believe, but uh, I'm not entirely certain. I didn't actually watch the preview for this one like I did Nanbaka, but... Uh, the Great Passage has more of a realistic anime style, looks pretty interesting. I will be looking forward to seeing uh, more news about it and uh, checking it out after it's maybe a few episodes strong, just to make sure so I don't, you know, waste my time. <laughs> I like to let other people deal with the initial hype of releases for this stuff and then kind of go in if I'm going to watch something directly during the season itself. So... I will be looking forward to that. Yes. Andy, Jack, I, I think that we've proven something uh, on the podcast today. Uh, and, and let's bring it all back full circle. We just talked for well over an hour, and uh, we <laughs> each mentioned a, a couple of different shows for the fall 2016 season that we're all interested in. I think it's pretty safe to say anime isn't dead. I, Yay! We brought I it back we, to life. I think we saved anime, you guys. I think we just we saved, saved anime, anime, everybody. You're welcome. And big thanks to Andy Kerner for joining us on this episode to help us save anime. So, Yay. Andy, uh, tell us where we can find all of your stuff online. Tell us what you've got going on. All right. Well, I have um, several podcasts I run. Uh, earlier, we mentioned um, Third Seat by the Window. Uh, I've also got, uh, the Digicast, which is a podcast about, uh, just a retrospective podcast about Digimon where we, um, kind of ruin your childhood in the process of talking about it. Um, those are both on iTunes. Uh, we're working on getting, uh, Megane Toast, which is sort of uh, our show specific, uh, like a series specific, uh, podcast on iTunes soon. Um, and I've got an upcoming show called Spiral Radio, which will be a little more pretentious and highbrow, I think. So uh, look forward to it. Uh, you can find all that in my writing on uh, the Bug Blog, which is at uh, Bagu Budagu, uh, B-A-G-U-B-U-R-A-G-U dot WordPress dot com. Bagu Budagu dot WordPress Dot com And we'll have all of those in the show notes. And, of course, you can follow Andy on the Twitter Twitter at TheLadyBugMan. And, uh, Andy, thanks again for joining us. Jack? Oh, yeah. What have, what have you got going on, my friend? Well, it is Inktober this month. I almost said year. 
boy, oh boy. And my head is still intact. Uh, Inktober, for those of you who don't know, is a little something that artists like to do where we draw exclusively with ink, one drawing per day. Maybe more if I feel like it, if I'm able to, who knows? For the entirety of the month of October. October's a cool time. Let's make it cooler with some ink. And lucky for all y'all, that is my medium of choice, especially with brush and illustration ink. So, if you'd like to take a look at the art that I have going on, I will be posting it to at JackDTylerD on Twitter. I also complain a lot about various politically incorrect issues on there. <laughs> complain about the fact that people want me to play Earthbound, and I'm kind of in the middle of some replays of some old favorites around this time of year. Some good old classic horror games. And uh, if you don't want to get my complaining, and just want to see art, and maybe some stupid stuff, maybe some art artwork, uh, some literature, whatever comes to my mind, my creative little mind, you can also check out Mechanical Symphonies at Tumblr.com, and you can also check out my Patreon at Jack Noir Draws. That's J-A-C-K-N-O-I-R-E-D-R-A-W-S, in case you can't spell draws. Not gonna judge. Thank you very much, David. Thank you so much, Andy. This has been really rad. Thank you both for having me. It's it, it's been fun. We'll have it to have you again soon. Ha- yes, we shall. And thank you all for listening to the anime podcast of some sort. And hey, if you guys like the show, really help old David out. If you go into iTunes or Stitcher Radio or wherever and just leave us the old five stars, that'd be really great if you could really do that. You don't even have to leave a review if you don't want to. You, you don't have to write a review. Just go ahead and pop the five stars in there, whether it's iTunes, whether it's Stitcher Radio, whether it's Podcatcher, all of them. The anime podcast of some sort is there. And of course, check out everything else at DeltaJulietMike.com. Thanks again to Andy. And Jack, and we will podcast in some fashion next time. Keep anime alive. <laughs>